Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. AEW successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script this is your aew dynamite post show for february 2nd 2022 i'm your host jd from new york and this is the ots venue thank you guys so very much for joining me on your wednesday nights wherever you may be uh what it's it's a it's a it's a self-serve bar tonight, says says Otis. He can't do it. Just make sure you guys clean up after yourselves, please. One at a time. It's fucking... I'm going to have to dump him. Wednesday night. I love Wednesday nights. I love doing the show. He's not here. He's, he's like a fucking Eskimo traveling in the goddamn snowstorm, man, going to see a goddamn wrestling show. Of all the nights, you should stay home. He goes to a fucking wrestling show, man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Anyway, enough of the fun and games, man. Um, listen, I know a lot of people are going to be <laughs> complaining 
about the outcome of the CM Punk and MJF match tonight. Uh, This is exactly what we needed to have happen. I don't understand why people are going to get upset about this. If there are people, I wasn't on social media enough after the show went off the air to see and gauge people's reactions and feelings to the outcome. I know Chicago wasn't all that happy with the outcome of tonight's match between MJF and CM Punk on Dynamite. This is exactly how it needed to play out. I would have preferred an actual clean victory. I don't think that's going to happen with MJF. MJF is a natural-born heel. He's going to do what he has to do, especially in Chicago, to get the win by any means necessary. Tonight, we got Wardlow. Tonight, we got Wardlow, and it was a very, very nice tease of Wardlow coming out. And everybody thought, especially me, I said to myself, this is the night. This is the night that MJF is going to be betrayed by Wardlow, and it was all a big ruse. It was actually very, very well executed. Wardlow stared down CM Punk into believing that after all the little back and forth and all the little fits that MJF had and taking his anger out on Wardlow that this would be in, and CM Punk fell right into that trap. And he paid the price for it, and the price was his first loss in all elite wrestling. Nobody should be upset with the outcome of this match. First of all, I want to I wanna give a kudos to Tony Khan because this was largely a one-match show. This was a very good show. It wasn't the best by Dynamite's standards, but this was a, a one-match show on a very good show that was Dynamite tonight that was kind of sullied in controversy, and I'll get into that with the scheduled match of uh, the scheduled match of Mox and Brian Kendrick tonight and that was nixed and canceled but this match between MJF and CM Punk was given a good solid 35 to 40 minutes on national television you don't usually see a one-on-one match especially a one-on-one match without a title on the line get that type of treatment but it goes to show you the level of feud that this was between CM Punk and MJF and the level of trust and love and passion that Tony Khan has, he is probably just as big of a fan uh, like us of everything that was going on with MJF and CM Punk and he gave these guys the appropriate time to tell their story. I love that. Sometimes you watch these weekly television shows and we get these storylines that happen on television and Nothing really is progressed, and you feel you feel kind of disappointed. You feel a little down after investing weeks and weeks and weeks of television, and really nothing comes of it. You get to the match, especially on a pay-per-view in WWE, and it, it, it doesn't really resonate with you. We've gotten back and forth between MJF and CM Punk. We've gotten a six-man tag with MJF and CM Punk in the match. They did not allow, Tony Khan did not allow, AEW did not allow CM Punk and MJF to even touch each other. And that only built intrigue towards the match. And here we are in Chicago, of all places, CM Punk's hometown, MJF and CM Punk, instead of doing it at Revolution, 
Everything is going according to plan. Everything. I cannot sit here and really kind of crucify AEW on things that others are crucifying them about. It's, it's, not, it's not fair. I don't see any fault in this. And if there is any fault, it's very, very minor to a point where it doesn't even need to be discussed. Everything is going according to plan. Match took place on Dynamite. I thought that was great looking back at it. Obviously, this is one of the biggest main events that Tony Khan has ever put on, AEW Dynamite. And I'm glad that it happened tonight instead of Revolution. We still got a little bit of a way to go between now and Revolution. We got about a month. And I don't know what's going to happen. We could very well get another match. I don't think we need another match between MJF and CM Punk. I think one is enough. Jesse and I spoke about it. And we don't need another match. The match tonight was just the frosting and the cherry on top of the cake. That's all it was. We came for what we were given. The back and forth. The verbal sparring between CM Punk and MJF. This was just the cherry on top of everything that they did up until this point. It was the final scene. It was the conclusion of the story. Will they revisit this and do a part two somewhere down the line? Maybe. Maybe. If CM Punk wants to be world champion, MJF would be the, fir- the, the, the perfect person to have that happen. CM Punk beating MJF in round two of this for the world title somewhere down the line would be just desserts, right? And that's where you could do the Wardlow turn on MJF. And that's where I think I would do it. But tonight was the starting point for MJF and the AEW World Championship. It's going to happen whether you like him or not. This is the way I see it, and this is long-term booking. Tony Khan gets in there, and everything that he does, every major storyline, especially for that world title, is always ingrained in long-term booking. And that's what I love about it. You just see it, you feel it, you see how important it is, you feel how important it is, MJF beating CM Punk tonight was the right outcome. Again, I would have preferred a clean victory, but I love the false finish in in the middle of the match. I love the fact that he cheated at the end of the match to get by and win. I'm glad he won. I say that because I'm glad he won. I didn't want to. I don't want to sit here and have MJF losing in Chicago. Again, I would have rather liked a clean victory, but it's MJF. I'm not really expecting him to go out there and. And, and have a fucking handshake deal and respect to CM Punk. Goodbye. I beat you. Goodbye. Shake your hand and go have a fucking slice of deep dish pizza at the end of the show. No. I'm glad that he won regardless of how he won. So he beat CM Punk. MJF is undefeated. And CM Punk suffers his first loss in AEW. There was no other man in this company that was going to beat CM Punk and give him his first loss. This is the perfect guy to do that. CM Punk knows it. Tony Khan knows it. And this is exactly why CM Punk is here. CM Punk suffers nothing from this loss. Nothing. Nothing at all. He's bulletproof. You could drop a fucking atom bomb on this guy. It doesn't matter. CM Punk is not going anywhere. Nobody will look at CM Punk any differently than how they viewed him already. Where does MJF go from here? I don't know. Will we get another match at Revolution? I don't know. Why would we? Unless MJF is going to win again, 
But why would we do the same match? You gave these guys 30 fucking minutes, 30 plus minutes on Dynamite. Why would we revisit it again when you gave us everything that you needed to give us tonight? I don't want to see it at Revolution. I don't think you guys want to see it at Revolution. I think the majority of us is sitting here and in agreement. We're sitting here in agreement about how everything went down. MJF is going to go on to become the AEW world champion. And now he is hopefully at Revolution. Instead of doing a punk rematch, because I don't see the point in it, we're going to get a title match between Adam Page and MJF. And that's the natural progression of where we go from here. Where does Punk go? I don't know. I don't know where Punk goes. We talked about this last week as well. Punk could very well wrestle Cody Rhodes. That's revolution. Cody Rhodes mentioned CM Punk in a promo a couple of weeks back. Maybe we get that. I don't know what Punk does, but I'm not really concerned about Punk. I'm concerned about MJF. I honestly think this is taking MJF to the next level. And everybody watching this show tonight honestly should be watching this with eyes wide open and thinking the same exact thing. It's about building MJF to the title. Everything that Tony Khan has done is very strategic. It went from Omega to Page. It was always going to be Page to MJF. It's what was going to happen in between this time and when MJF won the championship or wins the championship because that's an inevitability at this point. It was between then and now on what MJF does. He got CM Punk. He beat CM Punk. He doesn't need to wrestle CM Punk anymore because he beat him tonight in Chicago of all places. You don't go 30 minutes and beat CM Punk in his hometown where he is heralded as a hero only to do it again and then take the magic away from what happened tonight. MJF, Page, Revolution, World Championship. I thought what they did tonight was fantastic. There were two separate stories in this match. One on the shoulder, the arm, the other on the knee, the false finish, Wardlow. This match had everything that you could possibly want to give you a final conclusion right now. A chapter ending in the chapter of MJF and CM Punk. They gave you everything. There's no reason why anybody would want or need another match between these two. We got to start thinking ahead. We got to start building for the future. And MJF, honestly, in my eyes, has been sitting around far too long without the AEW World Championship. I think it's time we get him to that level because not only, A, has he been the best character work, character-wise, on on AEW television, uh, his record speaks for itself, and... To be quite honest with you, the long-term booking, it's staring you in the face. It's staring you in the face. And I think MJF leading AEW at this point is going to be an AEW that I think we'll all be very proud of watching. His body of work has been fantastic. There's no way that anybody could look at MJF and not want him as world champion. So we'll talk about what these two guys did tonight, and we'll talk about how we got to MJF pinning CM Punk tonight in Chicago. Excellent, excellent main event that went nearly most of the 9 o'clock hour. And we will go over everything else on the show, as well as John Moxley 
and Wheeler, Utah. It was supposed to be John Moxley and Brian Kendrick. Some really, really, really bad shit happened today on social media that uh, I'm not really going to go in detail about what happened or where it was found or what was said, but um, it is very disappointing to see somebody like that and everybody get excited and gather around and get excited about him being terminated. They gave him his release. He, He asked for his release, but they fired him from WWE. He wanted it. And then the very next night, he shows up on AEW Dynamite, or was supposed to show up on Dynamite, and then gets cut from the show. And Tony Khan had to make an official public statement on social media about why Brian Kendrick wasn't going to be on the show. So Moxley got Yuta, but at the end, we got what we came for anyway, and that was Moxley and Brian, because they're clearly building to something with these two guys. And I loved what these two guys did tonight. A stare down. Finally, Brian explained what was going on here with John Moxley. We'll go over that. Ruby Soho against Nyla Rose. That was a very good women's match tonight on Dynamite. We got Malachi and Brody King against Pac and Pentagon Jr. Uh, that one was awesome. And this was a very good episode of Dynamite. They forwarded things going into Atlantic City next week. So AEW Dynamite, very good show tonight. Obviously spearheaded by the MJF and CM Punk match. And I'm glad you guys are with me here on the podcast for the AEW Dynamite post show on Off the Script. Next Wednesday, we have AEW Dynamite in Atlantic City, New Jersey. I actually have a place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, not too far from where the show was actually taking place. And I was very excited about the show coming to AC. Anyone, it would be foolish of me not to do a meet and greet with you guys. I don't know who's coming to the show. I don't know who in New Jersey's coming to the show. I don't know if you are coming from Jersey, coming from Philly, coming from anywhere in Pennsylvania or any of the surrounding areas. You'd be coming from New York to go watch the show in Atlantic City. I'll be there. I'll be in Atlantic City. We're doing a meet and greet. And if you guys want to Come out to the meet and greet. It's going to be a, a really good time, man. Great food, cold beverages, as always. It's my number one and number two thing with these meet and greets, man. They got There's got to be cold beverages. Some really, really good cold beverages. So from 2 p.m. to about 6 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon, next Wednesday, I will be doing a meet and greet at the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall in Atlantic City, New Jersey, on Tennessee Avenue. And you guys can come out, hang out. There'll be meet and greet. There'll be merchandise being sold. There'll be hats. There'll be t-shirts. There'll be OTS baseball mugs, koozies. You name it, man. It's going to be a a whole ordeal. So if you guys want to come on out, I'll be talking about it throughout the week. You guys are hearing it officially today. Atlantic City, New Jersey, Dynamite. The Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall on Tennessee Avenue in Atlantic City from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. It should be awesome. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That is on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on that bell for notifications. Make sure you guys go and hit that thumbs up, man. I see 664 likes with 2,300 in the venue right now. I need a thousand minimum. 
on the live stream tonight. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up if you have not done so. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show as always. Go check out all the other videos you might have missed on the channel, man. Thank you guys for the overwhelming support on the Shane McMahon video yesterday for episode 408. Oh, my goodness, man. That one blew up big time. Major, major rants on that video, man. Go and check it out. Episode 408 of the podcast. Shane McMahon apparently was one of the producers, the main producer of the Royal Rumble, sabotaged the Royal Rumble. And it was noted that Triple H's presence backstage during the Rumble was heavily missed. So make sure you guys go and check that out. And if you guys want to support the show, man, there's one great way to do so. And that is checking out my sponsor for today's show. That's Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use code JD at checkout. To get your free sample, all you have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling, man. Everybody loves something for free. And Valentine's Day is coming up, man. You guys want that extra boost in confidence? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do, man. And I'm sure your partner would appreciate that as well. BlueChew.com. Don't leave Valentine's Day home without it. It's BlueChew.com. Use code JD at checkout to get your free sample. I want to thank them, as always, for supporting podcast right here on off the script john moxley was supposed to wrestle brian kendrick tonight i for one was very excited about this match i was very interested in seeing this match as brian kendrick and brian danielson have a history together most recently brian danielson daniel bryan in wwe was a big-time proponent in Brian Kendrick when he competed in the Cruiserweight Classic. One of WWE's best productions of the modern era was that Cruiserweight Classic, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. He was on commentary with Mauro Ronaldo during that entire tournament. I loved every bit of it. And Brian Kendrick was heavily put over by Brian on commentary. That was the last thing I could think about when I was hearing that he was asking for his release from WWE and then he was on his way to AEW. They put him in a match with John Moxley. It all kind of rang my bell. I'm like, oh shit, Brian and Kendrick. And then Brian's feuding with Moxley. Now Moxley's wrestling Kendrick. This could be great. This could be a nice gateway to get us to Mox and Brian. So he was released. He was released from WWE. He asked for his release. And they granted it to him. He was actually a coach at the WWE Performance Center. And they were actually going to put him on television. I believe he was actually in a mini storyline with Joe Gacy over on NXT. And uh, Joe Gacy had, well, he didn't really throw him down the staircase, but Joe Gacy's muscle, Harland, Parker Boudreaux on NXT 2.0, threw him down a staircase And they were supposed to have a scheduled match. And they actually had a graphic for it. Kendrick cut a promo for it. And then all of a sudden, we didn't hear anything else about Brian Kendrick and Harland on NXT. They just scratched the entire match. It was was completely nixed. So then all of a sudden, reports come out and start surfacing that he asks for his release. And everybody's been asking for their release. It's not very difficult to see why anybody would have asked for their release from NXT. I mean... Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon completely fucking destroyed the show. 
Scotty Tuhati asked for his release. Brian Kendrick asked for his release. God knows who else is going to ask for their release. They fired Samoa Joe and William Regal and Gabe Sapolsky and everybody else that was a part of Triple H's team. Scotty Tuhati was the first to say, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm not doing this for a paycheck anymore. The black and gold was very special to us. It doesn't feel like that anymore. Everything changed, not for the better. And Brian Kendrick, he didn't really... He didn't really go out there and become as outspoken as Scotty Tuhati, but he asked for his release, I'm, I'm assuming, for the same reasons. For the same reasons. If everything was so good there, nobody would be asking for their release. But they've gutted the brand so much and completely changed it that nobody wants to be there anymore. So he got his release. He was announced for Dynamite against John Moxley. Everybody was like, oh, here's another ex-WWE guy. Tony Khan didn't sign Brian Kendrick. Tony Khan signed Brian Kendrick for a one-night deal. It wasn't like Tony Khan was bringing in Brian Kendrick and making him a full-time roster member and getting him the all-elite graphic. No. This was a one-match deal. You know, Tony Khan actually does pay per appearance for many of the talent that you see on the show, and most of them on Dark and and Elevation. Tony Khan's not giving out fucking multi-year contracts to anybody. I don't know where this narrative is being pushed. In WWE or in the IWC. WWE doesn't even give out full-time contracts anymore. I hope you know that every NXT recruit that's in the Performance Center is on a six-month trial basis. If you don't make the six months, if they don't like what they see, goodbye. They dump you. Tony Khan does the same thing. He signs people to six-month contracts, eight-month contracts, nine-month contracts, whatever the uh, amount of time is. Kendrick got a night deal, a pay-per-appearance deal. It's a big deal. Everybody's, oh, another, another WWE guy. I'm sorry, do you like professional wrestling? The forbidden door is open to everybody, man. Embrace it. I don't see what the big fucking deal is. Kendrick was then pulled from AEW Dynamite, and Tony Khan issued a statement. Why was he pulled? He started trending on social media this afternoon after old videos surfaced with controversial thoughts on several big real-life, real-world occurrences. I don't even want to mention them because I feel like I'll get demonetized. You guys know some of the events that have happened in recent memory in New York City, in Connecticut. You guys know that. I think the one thing that really threw everybody for a loop was, and everybody was coming to me with this because I had no fucking idea what the hell was going on. He, 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 mentioned, he mentioned the Holocaust. And I don't, really, I don't really know why. And I'm thinking, was this recent? Was this something that was said recently? So videos surfaced from several years ago and have been reported on Twitter that show Kendrick giving his views on the Illuminati and other conspiracy theories. That's all I'll say. So you see how that all ties into what I just mentioned. The videos have been online for years, but his statements started going viral within the last 24 hours after the news of his release. An interview from 2011 posted under the tweets below shows Kendrick saying that the 9-11 tragedies and the Bin Laden incident were all fake. They were all fraudulent. So clearly he was deep diving into 
conspiracy theories. I I'm not going to reiterate what he said in these videos, but you guys get the point. You guys can find it on social media, okay? So there were IWC reporters or uh, dirt sheet writers who were spreading the news about this, and it got to Tony Khan. Tony Khan caught wind of this and issued a statement about Brian Kendrick. He says, and I quote, We've been made aware of abhorrent and offensive comments made in the past by Brian Kendrick. There's no room in AEW for the views expressed by Brian. We think it's best for all that Brian be pulled from tonight's card. As we gather more information, we'll announce a replacement match for Moxley ASAP. And that was Wheeler Yuta. So, the one thing that I have to say about this, because I don't want to harp on it too long, I I'm not going to reiterate what he said. I'm not going to talk about it. You guys can think amongst yourselves. Do I think it was the right thing for Tony Khan to do and pull Bryant Kendrick? For the sake of public relations, yes. I, I guess it caught fire uh, way too much. It was too hot to handle on social media. And if Tony Khan sent Bryant Kendrick out there, while all of this was going on, he would have never heard the end of it. So I, I think he did the right thing here. Not only for himself, but I, I think he did the right thing because it, it's just the human thing to do in this case. Tony Khan was thinking more along the lines of, you know, this is not right based on, on what a human being should do. So he pulled Brian Kendrick and went with Wheeler Yuta instead. The thing is, with all of this, you know, I can't sit here and completely, you know, bow down to Tony Khan for doing the right things. This is almost similar to what WWE did with Gunther. This is very similar to what WWE did with Gunther, a.k.a. Walter. That was a whole shitstorm started last week by WWE, or the week before, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago by WWE when... They had Walter beat Roderick Strong in the main event, which was great, on NXT. And he came out after the, the match was over, or he took a microphone after the match was over and announced himself as Gunther. Earlier in the day, we started hearing reports that WWE had trademarked the name Gunther Stark. And everybody was uncovering on Google, because Google's our best friend when it comes to this shit. Clearly, WWE doesn't know that Google exists. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made this error. WWE had trademarked Gunther Stark without knowing that he was a Nazi U-boat commander during World War II. And that's what they wanted to name Walter. They wanted to name, to, they wanted to name him after a Nazi U-boat commander. So WWE then dropped the trademark of Gunther Stark. They still went ahead and went with the Gunther name. It's not Gunther Stark, it's Gunther. Okay, WWE came up with this kayfabe reason about why he needed to change his name. What a complete fucking shitstorm. A complete shitstorm. He didn't need his name changed. Walter is his birthright given name. And WWE has the name Walter trademarked because I seen the documents since 2019. They only changed the name because they're a bunch of blithering fucking idiots over in Stanford, Connecticut. This is the same thing. Now, it's the same thing, but it's not the same thing. This is not a name change. 
Brian Kendrick then coming to AEW for this match with Moxley for the night under a new name, under a new identity. It's flying Brian Kendrick, right? Maybe Tony Khan and somebody in AEW on his team should have done some research. From my understanding, these comments were very well apparent already. These comments were out there already. These comments apparently happened over 10 years ago. And I find it, and this is the fucking weird part, man. This is the bizarre part. The man is announced on national television to be wrestling John Moxley, one of the faces of the company. And all of a sudden, this dirt is now brought to light once again. I don't get it. It's like people, honestly, it's like people are waiting in the wings to cut anybody down. I'm not saying what he did or what he said was right, but I find it so weird that human nature and human behavior is like this. That's the part I fucking loathe. Really. From what I from what I was told, these incidences have been very well known. Now, maybe WWE didn't give a shit about it. I don't know how he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, but this happened 10 years ago. I don't know how we how he, how he was a coach. And a trainer inside the performance center, but everybody knew these comments existed 10 years ago. Maybe WWE didn't give a shit. Or maybe WWE themselves didn't do the backtracking and go find the dirt on Brian Kendrick. They allowed him to work there knowing this was out there about him, right? But I guess he wasn't in the public spotlight. He was a trainer. He was a coach. So he's a little man. He's not on TV. He's not winning world championships. He's not wrestling in front of a live audience. That, that, that's not bothering anybody for him to be coaching, right? But all of a sudden he goes to Dynamite, wrestling John Moxley in the opening match of Dynamite tonight in Chicago. Then it all comes to light. I don't give a shit what he says. I don't give a shit what he did. It's none of my fucking business. He's his own man. But I the, the one thing... And what he said was wrong, completely out of line wrong. I know people. I know people that think that same way. And they don't give a shit. They're not public. They don't have a fucking radio show or a fucking YouTube channel. You know, I know people that think that way, man. It's great. It's fucking hilarious, right? I listen to this shit and I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's that's some really funny shit, man. It's 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 interesting commentary. It really is. There are people out there that believe this shit. He may believe it. He may believe it. He's his own man. He's got to fucking now suck it up and be at fault and be okay with his with his wrongdoings. But I find it so weird of all days. This could have been said six weeks ago. They're going to blast at him. And nobody would have been mentioning Brian Kendrick, a fucking peep about Brian Kendrick being released from WWE and then going to AEW. Oh, I'd love to see him wrestle Brian. I'd love to see him wrestle this guy or that guy, right? I love him to be a coach or producer backstage. Why wasn't this brought to light six weeks ago? This was brought to light today. The man was already in the fucking locker room getting ready to wrestle. And all of a sudden, goodbye, One tweet ruined his entire fucking year. He'll never be heard of again. It's very weird, man. That's the part that I find most hilarious. Brian Kendrick actually issued a 
apology. He issued an apology. I guess this happened during the Dynamite show. He says, and I quote, I apologize for all the hurt and embarrassment I have caused with my words. These are not my beliefs, never were beliefs of mine, and I crossed the line. I spread the most vile comments without thinking of the damage it would cause. I will live with this regret for the rest of my life. I am truly sorry for the pain I have caused, end quote. There you go. The guy issued his apology. Can we move on from all of this? Everybody got what they wanted, right? Brian Kendrick is removed from Dynamite. You all got what you wanted. You can now leave him to do whatever he needs to do, man. There's no reason to further take the fucking anvil and drop it on this guy time and time and time and time again. He apologized. Can we move on with our lives? That's all I ask. Let's move on. He apologized. Hopefully he finds something else to do where this is not going to follow him around for the rest of his fucking career. So Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick. Out. Wheeler Utah in. He was in there against John Moxley and Wheeler Utah put on a little decent match here with John Moxley. Out with Wheeler Utah came Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen. Dan Housen. Speaking of Dan Housen, a lot of people were uh, upset that Dan Housen got signed to AEW last week. Uh, I don't know why. Everybody was like, why did Tony Khan waste money on Dan Housen? What a waste of money. This is a failure. AEW's a sinking ship. They're bloated with their roster. Why would they take him and not give the money to Keith Lee? Who's to say Tony Khan isn't going to get Dan Housen and Keith Lee? Dan Housen, Keith Lee, and Ember Moon. Dan Housen, Keith Lee, Ember Moon, and Tegan Knox. Dan Housen, Keith Lee, Ember Moon, Tegan Knox, and Tony Storm. I've never seen a bunch of fucking weasels in my entire life, man, worrying about what another man does with his income. Never. I mean, do you guys... Do you guys show that same energy when Nick Conman and Vince McMahon release these talents? I'd love to know. Why did they sign Dan Housen? You want to know why they signed Dan Housen? The guy released his new t-shirt yesterday and it crashed. ShopAEW.com. Dan Housen's not going to make Tony Khan money. He already is paying off brilliantly. So when you want to question Tony Khan and what he does and what he does with his fucking money, maybe you should shut your fucking mouth and let businessmen handle business and money-making decisions. He's out there. He didn't really do much of anything, but there was a dueling, let's go Moxley, Dan Housen chant in Chicago. Fuck Wheeler Yuta, I guess, right? Dan Housen was more over than the guy Moxley was wrestling tonight. Moxley took Yuta down right away, and Yuta was coming back. He was showing that speed and that youthfulness against Moxley. He stood up to Moxley early on. Moxley beat him down and was chopping away at Willow Yuta. Moxley then raked Yuta's back twice. He went for a superplex, but Yuta pushed him off and downed him with a dropkick. On the apron, Moxley returned uh, some offense and hit Wheeler Yuta with a front face DDT. So they're at right side. Moxley 
was looking at Arch Cassidy and looking at Danhausen. At one point, I saw Moxley trying not to laugh and smile at Danhausen. He's ju- he's just a funny fucking guy, man. He's just a funny fucking guy. People enjoy it. Let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. Seriously. So you would have used this distraction as Moxley was looking at the best friends out there. He followed with a German suplex bridge for a two after a cross body. Top rope splash got another near fall there for Wheeler Yuta. Moxley countered a high-flying move by Yuta, caught him in this move into a sleeper, laid it on the mat, transitioned into some ground and pound, did John Moxley, hit a paradigm shift, and that was it. One, two, three. Pretty academic here. It would have been the same result with Bryant Kendrick. Probably a little bit better of a match. A little bit more interesting of a match with Kendrick, but we got Willie Uta to fill in there. Last-minute replacement. Willie Uta is very good, and Moxley got the win with the paradigm shift. All of a sudden, we see Brian Danielson in the ring. He's wearing his white T-shirt. He's got his hair pulled back. He's standing there staring at John Moxley. So Mox turned around. He seen Brian standing there, and Brian has a microphone and asked, if fans want to see them fight, of course we want to see them fight. It's what we paid our money for. So Danielson says he's always wanted to wrestle him. He said since Mox has come back, they've seen a new Moxley. Everyone give it up for John Moxley, he says. He said that he watched him from afar when he was in WWE. And he watched him from afar and wanted to test him in the ring as soon as he got here in AEW. He said he watched from afar and he thought that John Moxley was the best AEW world champion. He said if he had a little support right now, he'd still be AEW champion. He said that's when he realized that they shouldn't be fighting each other. He said they should be fighting together. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The crowd broke out into a yes chant. He said he gets why everyone loves AEW, but there's no reason that some millennial cowboy should be the AEW champion. He said there's no good reason why someone dressed as a dinosaur should be a tag team champion. There's no reason why someone whose main contribution to society is a vlog, a vlog meaning Sammy Guevara, There's no real reason why somebody like that should be the TNT champion. He told Mox, we could run this place together. 
We could be tag team champions together, and Moxley could be AEW champion again if you and I work together. He suggested that they take Wheeler Utah under their wings or maybe Lee Moriarty or Daniel Garcia, take him away from 2.0, take Lee Moriarty away from Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Mox was standing there listening. He says they could train the future of professional wrestling together. He looked at the fans and he looked into the camera. He looked at us at home and Moxie was giving this guy some really confusing looks. Danielson told Mox that it's a lot to put on his plate right now, being that he just got back. So he doesn't have to answer right now. Just consider the possibilities and the greatness that could be created and the legacy that you, I know, want to leave here. He offered Moxley a handshake. Moxley did not accept the handshake. Danielson seemed kind of angry that Moxley didn't shake his hand and said, listen, I know I left a lot with you right here. Think about it. He dropped the mic and said, think about it. So, I love what we're getting here. I love what we're getting here. We're getting Moxley and Brian in some sort of program. Honestly, I know many of you you guys probably want them to fight. And the way Moxley is and the way everything is going to line up, it it seems like Moxley will say no to this, and Moxley will be Moxley and be the badass John Moxley usually is and say, fuck you, and they will wrestle at Revolution. That's probably what's going to happen. But if we want to see something different and something new, I'd love to see Brian and Mox actually work together. I really would. Maybe we get get a new faction with these guys. Maybe they take one guy of their choosing under their wing and we get some new faction, right? The veterans and then the rookies. I don't think that's the way that they're going to go because clearly this is being set up for a match between these two at Revolution. That's the way I think Tony Khan's going to roll here. But it does create some intriguing possibilities. Brian and Moxley as a tag team, there could be be some nice elements there. They're both old WWE guys, right? They've been together for years in WWE. They know each other very well inside and out. There could be some great dynamic and some great matches there with them as teammates working together. Or we could just get Moxley and Brian feuding, and with Moxley not really having any friends, in comes Eddie Kingston and Brian. This would be a great way to build towards Brian and Punk teaming together against Kingston and Moxley. That's where I thought they were going with this for a little bit. Coming out of full gear and everybody was thinking that Moxley was going to win that tournament and going to win the world championship, number one contender, Wrestle Page, what have you, and Brian was going to be a babyface. I legitimately thought we were going to come out of that with Moxley and Kingston being heels. And obviously we got the Punk and Kingston storyline. It would be very easy to transition Brian and Punk teaming together against Moxley and Kingston. That's what I thought we were going to get. Maybe this is a new way to get us to that very same match, but going about it in a different way. As long as I see what we originally wanted to see happen, 
I don't give a shit how we get there, man. When you involve Moxley and Brian or Kingston or a possible punk inclusion in this, I mean, why would anybody complain about this? Seriously. I'm very intrigued by it. I don't know where they could go with this or, or I don't know what the end goal is. Whether they team up or whether they are together. I'm here for the ride. Because I love both guys. So we could see them work together with some younger talent. I think that would be, would be beneficial. Mox, though, like I said, seemed a little bit more irritated than anything. He didn't really give any facial expressions to Brian, except the, you know, this guy's out of his fucking mind. And then walked away. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I'm glad we are now in the beginning stages of building towards whatever story these guys are going to be a part of. I think it's going to be great no matter what, just based on who is involved here with Brian and John Moxley. Brandy Rhodes. Brandy Rhodes is in the ring, and when Brandy Rhodes is on television, man, I treat it like Becky Lynch. I get up, I walk away. Brandy was in the ring. She said she loves coming back to the city, and everyone is so nice. She said that they were in Cleveland. This was not by design. She legitimately thought they were in Cleveland. She's in Chicago, and she said that AEW is coming to you from Cleveland. And then she backtracks and says, Cleveland, Chicago, they're both the same thing. I doubt that they are, Miss Rhodes. I doubt that they are. Welcome to your Hulk Hogan Silver Dome moment. Welcome to the Hulk Hogan fan club. Nobody wants to be in the Hulk Hogan fan club. So Dan Lambert walks out and praise be to the almighty Jesus Christ. Dan Lambert walked out here and saved this segment. Oh my God, did he save this fucking segment? Dan Lambert walked out there with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. He said she should understand how bad it is for business when you start believing your own bullshit. She said they might have given her, or or Lambert said, they might have given her a reality show, but what she needs is a reality check. She said she can pretend Cody earned his spot. And Brandy earned her spot as the chief brand officer. And we all know that ain't a real title in AEW. It's just something given to you to stroke your massive ego, he says. She said her brandy from the block accent, meaning the, you know, she goes all hood when she gets angry. The brandy from the block accent when she gets upset is as fake as the bulldogs that pop out of her shirt. That line was one of my favorites, man. I didn't, listen, you know, I I don't really give a shit who has what done, but uh, I didn't know brandy was, uh, was... Packing fake puppies up there. So this is news to me. So there you go. Dan Lambert kind of, uh, uh, maybe he went off the script there and uh, legitimately wanted to work that nice little shoot into this work. I don't know. That popped everybody. But you can't pretend that you're not getting booed out of this ring even though you're standing next to a rich, angry, conservative, sexist, AEW-hating old man like me. I almost feel like a decent human being 
standing next to you. Dan Lambert at this point is absolutely cutting Co- uh, well, Cody. Cody gets cut down by Dan Lambert every time he's in the ring. But uh, Dan Lambert is cutting Brandy Rhodes down absolutely 10 ways to Sunday in this segment. She's got no legs to stand on here. None. Buried. She was demolished before she even had another thing to say. Brandy then asked, this was one of my favorite lines of the night. This is the only good line Brandy had all night. Brandy looked at Ethan Page because he was laughing in the corner with the shades on. Brandy asked Ethan, why are you laughing in the corner? The only reason why we hired you was to get closer to Josh Alexander. Another shoot comment in this work. When Josh Alexander is a free agent, man, if AEW doesn't pick Josh Alexander up, I don't know what the fuck Tony Khan's doing. I really don't. What a pickup that would be, man. Seriously. Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, if you guys don't know, because, I mean, who, I mean, who, who the fuck watches Impact? <laughs> Impact Wrestling. Nobody watches that shit. Anyway, man, if you guys don't know, Josh Alexander and Ethan Page, they were one of the best tag teams in the world. When they were together, man. Uh, The the only reason why I even tuned into Impact was to see those two guys. The North. They were fucking great. And I love tag team wrestling, man. I really love tag team wrestling. But uh, if Josh Alexander isn't in AEW when his contract is up, something is going really, really wrong. So that may be a shoot right there, man. I don't know. Uh, Is that a little tease that AEW wants Josh Alexander? He's as legit as they come, man. That is an instant pickup, if you ask me. So, she said that they should get to know each other. She said she's looked into his past, and he's been successful in MMA, Dan Lambert. Fans started chanting, shut the fuck up, at Brandy Rhodes. She looked around dumbfounded, man. At this point, I swear to God, man, I swear on everything that I own. I legitimately thought the segment was going to end here and Brandy was going to walk out. It almost felt like Brandy didn't know how to handle the type of reaction. I mean, you just felt, after the shut the fuck up chant, you just felt like she she just wanted to get the fuck out of there, man. It, it, it almost felt like she didn't know what to do next or what to say next. Chicago rattled her to the fucking core tonight. It was great. A shut-the-fuck-up chant. Paige was going around the ring encouraging it. Brandy asked, are you done to Chicago? And and then they got louder with another shut-the-fuck-up chant. She said she's going to just run right through it because she can. She said it's a little telling that his best fighter got knocked out by Jake Paul. She brought up Amanda Nunes but then asked if it was too soon. Apparently, Amanda Nunes was a part of America's Top Team, left America's Top Team to go start her own gym, apparently, is the story. So she brought that up, but she didn't really divulge into that information. She just threw Amanda Nunes's name out at Dan Lambert. She said he should spend less time in AEW and more time with America or American Top Tits. Or, I mean, American Top Team, same thing. Same thing. I guess this was her rebuttal for the... Uh, the fake bulldogs that she's packing up top. It didn't have the same impact as Dan Lambert's line. Um, Fans began chanting boring, and Lambert said, all that charm and quick wit as well, 
He then asked if it's time his whole family goes heel, uh, or Cody's family goes heel. He said the only face turn anyone will buy with her and Cody is with their old job, which was face down. Brandy then slapped Lambert in the weakest way possible. Lambert said he had a feeling she'd been in a fighting mood. He said he has a few more things to do before he goes down in a glorious fireball of cancel culture. Out walked Paige Van Zant, And she walked down to the ring. Brandy and Paige Van Zant got to a pull-apart brawl. She leapt at Paige Van Zant. The rest of the AEW women's locker room came out. And it was a big pull-apart brawl. Crowd in Chicago was chanting, let them fight. Let them fight. And that was the way the segment went off the air. Um, listen, I, I love the, I love the visceral back and forth, but that's as much as I could say about this segment. As, as fun as Brandy and Dan Lambert are going tit for tat, no pun intended, with each other, I, I don't really, I don't really care about the end result here. And after tonight, I'm not really all that excited in seeing where this is going. I'm not. I don't know where it's going. I don't want to see Paige Van Zant or Brandy Rhodes in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to see Team Brandy versus Team Paige Van Zant at Revolution. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Brandy Rhodes should not be on television. This is the type of reaction. That will happen every single time. And if AEW was smart and Brandy Rhodes was smart and Cody was smart, they'd all tell Brandy no. No more television time for her. Brandy is not emitting the right type of heat. Brandy is emitting nuclear levels of go away heat, far worse than I could ever fucking tell you, on, on level with like Baron Corbin. And that's pretty fucking bad. Brandy Rhodes should not be on television. If AEW fans are going to be that volatile towards somebody in the Rhodes household, then you know that they're feeling that for a specific reason. Brandy is not wanted on television. She's not needed on television. There's no desire to see anything from Brandy Rhodes on television. If Brandy Rhodes is a chief brand officer, whatever the fuck that role entails, then have her do what her job description is. She doesn't need to be on television. Nobody wants to see her wrestling in the division. Her career is finished as an in-ring performer. Nobody gives a shit about Brandy Rhodes. Now, Dan Lambert, you either take it or you leave it. You either love it or you hate it. I actually enjoy it because it's something different. It's something that we don't normally see on wrestling television somebody that has that type of mouth and has the freedom to say whatever the fuck he wants. Do you know why I like it so much? It's because he goes out there unscripted, probably given bullet points to say what he needs to say from Tony Khan, and he runs with it off the top of his head. Number one, Dan Lambert, for the simple fact that he's not a pro wrestling guy, he's an MMA guy, to go out there and speak the way that he does as fluently as he does, that's talent. That's impressive. And the reason why I like Dan Lambert on television for it being different is because it triggers every single fucking person that doesn't like it so easily. 
the sexist jokes, the fucking womanizing, all, all the shit. It's great. These are the fucking people that expose themselves by the simple fact that Dan Lambert is doing his job. They can't differentiate Dan Lambert, the character on AEW television, from the Dan Lambert that probably is at home with his wife after the show is over in the morning, right? When he wakes up in the morning having a cup of coffee, looking at the fucking social media reaction, laughing at everybody because he did his job the way it was intended to be. But I don't need to see Brandy Rhodes on television. Nobody wants to see Brandy Rhodes on television. It seems like Brandy's just getting TV time for the sake of getting TV time. And that was one of the reasons why we didn't want Cody Rhodes on television as much as he was on television. They rectified that. But every time Brandy goes away, the next two weeks she's gone. Then she comes back. For what? Why is she there? And if this is leading towards a Brandy Rhodes-led women's division against Paige Van Zandt and American Top Team, you guys can fucking take it and shove it right up your asshole. I don't want it. We've seen it with the inner circle. We don't need to see it again. And if it does happen, this is the other thing I want to mention before I move on. This is the other thing. If it does happen, I feel like it's too forced. Because I think AEW, in the back of their mind, are taking all of the criticisms about the women's division. This one's not getting TV time. This one's not getting spotlighted. This one's not getting enough TV time. There's not enough women's matches on AEW television. They got two hours of television. There should be two women's matches. All the fucking geeks in the community crying about the women's division. I hope to God it doesn't happen Because I feel like it would be a forced agenda, a forced narrative that AEW is being forced to do because of the social media police and the IWC fucking idiots out there that don't know any better to get all these women on television because they don't have a solid storyline on television. And the only thing that's on television right now is what Britt Baker is doing and what Jake Cargill is doing with both women's championships. And if that's the case, I don't want to see it. Even more so. Brandy should be off television. Matt Hardy. He was backstage with Private Party. He said that he was disappointed in their performance last Friday, failing to win the AEW Tag Team titles. Bunny and Blade were also backstage with Matt Hardy in the Hardy family office. Hardy says he wants Sammy Guevara's TNT title. Andrade walked in, told Private Party that they lost he said Isaiah Cassidy is taking on Guevara for the title on Rampage this week. Mark Quinn wanted the chance. Hardy said, listen, you were the one who suffered the pinfall loss in the tag team title match against Jurassic Express. No. Cassidy said he will win and then take Jungle Boy's girl or uh, Sammy Guevara's girl. I don't know why I was thinking uh, Jungle Boy. He, he's going to take, uh, take, take Conti away from Sammy Guevara. Hey, listen, if he can... That may be better than winning the fucking title, bro. To some people. Andrade then was talking about Darby Allen. Matt Hardy asked about Darby Allen, the little kid that works with Stink, right? Andrade said, maybe he wants more money. I can't seem to, uh, I can't seem to talk to him. Maybe the little kid, the little boy wants more money. It's always about the money. Hardy told Cassidy to bring the TNT title to him, and Cassidy said, yes, I gotcha. 
I'm not interested in seeing Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. Not at all. But it is Rampage. So it is what it is. It is what it is, man. Pack and Penta El Zero Miedo with Alex Abrahantes versus Malachi Black and Brody King. This was a tag team match. This was also something I was very much looking forward to here. Uh, this was great, man. Pack just came back after, uh, I, I don't know what the reason was. Maybe he was stuck overseas due to stra- travel restrictions. I, I don't know what the case may be. But Pack, he was in this thing with Malachi. He got bl- bl- blinded by the Black Mist, right? So he's been blindfolded. He's uh, been doing these vignettes. He's going to come back and justice will be served to Malachi and the House of Black. So he walks down the aisle. Penta comes out first. And they come out to the Death Triangle theme song. Penta comes out first. And then Pac is walking through the babyface tunnel. And he's got his hand on Alex Ambrahante's shoulder. And he's wearing this, this gray blindfold across his face. It's got black stitching underneath the, the lining of the mask or, or the blindfold. So from our vantage point, he's blindfolded. He can't see. Everybody's thinking that he's got eye problems now with the black mist being spit in both of his eyes. So he's walking down the aisle with his hand on uh, Alex's shoulder. He, he gets in the ring and he starts the match blindfolded with Malachi Black. And he's using these, these senses. I guess he's using his, uh, his, the sound of hearing, right? The sense of hearing. He's using one of his six senses. And... He sees all the offense from Malachi come at him. He's sidestepping him. He's evading him. He's even motioning to him with his finger. He knows exactly where he's standing in the middle of the ring. This was awesome. This was awesome. Pack even got some offense in. Blindfolded. He tripped him up. Running dropkick before he took the blindfold off and revealed that his vision is 100%. This was great. I love the little mind game that Pac was playing right back at Black because Black has been doing nothing but mind games with everybody. So we got a little a little comeuppance here against Pac. So they go back into the ring after he was knocked out to the outside with the dropkick. Pac was holding Malachi down. Penta landed a dropkick. Death Triangle now continued the offense. And Pac was in control until Brody King entered the ring, took Pac down with a big clubbing blow right down to Pac. And this allowed Malachi and Brody King to take over. So Pac is being beaten down. And then he reaches Penta for the hot tag eventually. He hit uh, a couple of sling blades. Uh, He hit them both on Black and Brody King. Backstabber for two on Malachi. Pac got a blind tag in. So Malachi was in the ring. He didn't realize that Pac blind tagged himself in. Uh, He was going back and forth with Black with some strikes. And Pac was nailed with a dropkick. He came back with a German suplex and then a beautiful brain buster for two count. Penta took out Brody King with a plancha over the top rope. Big step up dive as well. He and Pac both landed thrust kicks on Malachi. They wanted to do the fear factor stomp combo that uh, Penta and Ray Phoenix usually do to finish their opponents off. Brody King pushed Pack off the top rope. Black used the black mist behind the referee's back. 
and he blinded Penta, and then the finishing move came from the House of Black here. They hit Dante's Inferno, where Black tosses the opponent up to Brody King and then power slam down. That's exactly what they did to Penta. One, two, three, and the Kings of the Black Throne, the House of Black, win this tag team match. Really, really good stuff. Adam Cole was backstage. He was not on the show, and or not on the show in a wrestling capacity. After he lost to Orange Cassidy last week in the main event, Cole was backstage, and he gave this really, really great promo. Adam Cole always cuts a great promo. He says he's still undefeated. Orange Cassidy did not beat him last week. His record says so. His record says otherwise. He said if anyone says Orange Cassidy beat him, he's going to slap them in the face. He said that was a fluke last week. He said everyone is going to see a new side of Adam Cole. He said on Rampage he's going to fight Evil Uno, and this is where you'll start to see the new side of Adam Cole. He said afterwards the entire world will know exactly what he wants. You know, Adam Cole's gotten some shit on social media the last couple of weeks, man. All right, pretty much ever since he's coming to AEW. I don't know why. I don't know if it's jealousy from the WWE drones. I don't know if it's just an easy target because AEW haters just can, can, you know, continuously pick on everything that the show does. They don't offer any valid criticism whatsoever. They just exist to hate everything. Adam Cole is one of the best pro wrestlers on the planet. All I see is Adam Cole lost muscle mass. Adam Cole is a vanilla midget. Adam Cole is a comedy geek kissing his best friends. I don't know why he left WWE. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry. I don't really notice where Adam Cole lost muscle mass from his days in NXT. He looks the same thing to me or the same way to me. How can somebody go immediately from wrestling Kyle O'Reilly at one of the last takeovers that they've ever done to go right to AEW and then lose muscle mass? Did he walk through another dimension? Did he have 30% of his muscle mass cut as he walked through the AEW door? I don't really get it. Where are people seeing this? I don't know why it's such a big deal about what Adam Cole looks like. He's always looked the same to me. You go back and watch the Johnny Gargano match at TakeOver New York. He looks exactly the same way he does then. What's the big fucking deal? The only thing I noticed, and I will say this because I said it on Wednesday a couple weeks ago when Jesse and I talked about it, there was a little bit more of a spray tan look on Adam Cole when he was in WWE because they are so much about presentation. That's the only thing I could see different from Adam Cole. He was a little bit more tanned in WWE. That's the only thing I notice. I don't get why everybody is so obsessed with Adam Cole's body type. It's good enough for Britt Baker, right? Adam Cole's laid up next to Britt Baker every night. He's got to be doing something right. Give me a fucking break. Guarantee you half of the fucking people making fun of Adam Cole's body size and muscle mass, they don't even fucking go to the gym. They're in the fucking freezer every goddamn fucking afternoon eating Ilio's pizza and scarfing down fucking high cholesterol foods and downing seven bottles of Pepsi 
every single day. These are fucking geeks that don't see the light of the sun, that don't even know what a gymnasium looks like. They step foot on a treadmill, the fucking thing breaks. Give me a break. Yes, Adam Cole's going to take workout advice from fucking Egg with no name and a thousand fucking numbers that trail his at on Twitter. Give me a break. Adam Cole's going to be a world champion. I want to see how far the goalposts will be pushed back then. What's going to happen when Adam Cole wins the world championship? What are you going to say about him then? Huh? That he was better off in WWE? Yeah, I'm sure he'd look very good under Bruce Pritchard, right? He won't even be named Adam Cole. Bay Bay. Yeah, good luck with that. Managing Keith Lee. <laughs> yeah, they'll be in the same company about a, a month's time. Doing the things that they should have been doing. Main eventing. Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho. This was a very good women's match. Probably Ruby's best match since being in AEW, man. I enjoyed this. This was Ruby's best match in AEW. Nyla Rose is hot and cold, man. Nyla Rose can be on one week, off the next. On one week, off the next. Tonight she was on. Tonight she was on. Very on. Soho attacked before the bell, but was taken out by Nyla with a big lariat. She came back with a uh, a trip up and then a soccer-style kick. Rose caught her in a corner and turns it into a Samoan drop. She dominated the match, so Nyla Rose was in position here, offensive position during most of this match. So they were on the apron at one point. They were both looking for the big offensive move. Soho picked up Nyla Rose in a fireman's carry and dropped her on the apron. So a nice show of strength by Ruby Soho. She exchanged words with Vicky on the outside because Vicky was very loud and obnoxious during this match. So, Rose was obviously in a position to take advantage of this because Vicky Guerrero was mouthing off to Ruby Soho. Spine Buster followed on the floor, laid out Ruby Soho. So, back in the ring, Soho tried to go right for the finish. She went for no future. But Vicky, she moved around to where Nyla was being pinned on the outside. Aubrey was counting one, two, and then takes Nyla's foot and puts it underneath the bottom rope. Aubrey saw it, but she didn't do anything about it. Ruby Soho got pissed. She went after Vicky like a dumb baby face, allowing Rose to hit a backbreaker. Soho went for a top rope, her and Karana. Rose caught it. She was going for a beast bomb. Soho completely avoided this, went back up top, Kicked Rose, and Rose felt nothing after that. She turned it into a big offensive move off the top rope, knocked Soho down, sent on off the top rope, followed by the Beast Bomb. One, two, three. And Nyla Rose beats Ruby Soho in what I thought was a very good women's division match on Dynamite, man. Good showing by both ladies. Ruby Soho is losing a lot more than she is winning, man. Everybody's probably thinking, everybody's probably thinking, well, why did she leave WWE a loser? And here she is. Everybody thinks she would be better off in AEW, right? Uh, the grass is always, uh, the grass is not always greener on the other side. The e-drones are saying, right? 
But the thing is, they don't think before they fucking regurgitate bullshit out of their mouths. Soho may be on a losing streak, but I honestly do think that we will see Ruby Soho have a great showing in the Owen Hart Women's Tournament. I do think that when the Women's Owen's Hart Cup is on TV, I do think that Ruby Soho is going to be an odds-on favorite for that tournament. Does she win it? I don't know. I'm not going with Ruby. Do I think she'll have a good showing? Do I think she should have a good showing? Yes. But when that tournament comes around, if Serena Deeb is not the winner of that tournament, I don't know what Tony Khan is doing. See, the Ruby or Serena Deeb. And I'm looking forward to that Women's Owen Hart Cup tournament because by that time in May, can you imagine the tournament with the amount of talent in it? I'm just going to throw some names at you, at you there, man. Uh, I don't know how many fields there will be. 16 fields? A field of 16? Eight? We don't know. If it is eight, Ruby, Serena Deeb, right? Ember Moon or uh, Athena, whatever she's going by. Tegan Knox, Tony Storm, right? Then we can get a Chris Statlander, maybe a Tay Conti, maybe a Red Velvet, maybe a Nyla Rose. AEW's women's division is going to look vastly, vastly different by the time this Owen Hart Cup is on television. We could be looking at some really, really good fucking matches, man, in this tournament. It's going to be very interesting to see, but I do think she's losing a little bit too much, man. Sooner or later, and I think they're aware of this, I think it's all going to come into into play. Uh, I do think she's losing a little bit too much. I do. She's got to get some wins here and there. She doesn't really feel as special as I thought she would be. But maybe they turn it into a storyline. Maybe this is all being done by design. I don't know. Hangman Page. He cut a promo. Page was introduced by Tony Schiavone. He's in the ring. He's defending the AEW championship next week in Atlantic City against Lance Archer in a Texas death match. So he says he's been AEW champion for 81 days and he's only had the chance to defend his title twice against Brian Danielson. He said he doesn't give a shit about the Texas death match stipulation. He said he needs something, anything, and doesn't want to wait till next week. He told him to get his ass to the ring so they can give the fans in Chicago a fight. Jesse and I talked about this and we were both in agreement last week that when Paige was brought to the idea of a Texas death match and the fact that he will be defending his AEW championship in a Texas death match against Lance Archer, the look on his face was the look of somebody that did not want that match. It was the look of somebody that was a little concerned, a little fearful of the Texas death match stipulation, asking, well, I I didn't agree to that. I I didn't agree. It It doesn't matter if you agreed to it or not. Jesse and I said, we don't want to see that type of behavior and attitude from the champion. Would Stone Cold Steve Austin give you that type of reaction? Would The Rock give you that type of reaction? No. Now, I'm not comparing those guys to Adam Page. I'm not comparing Stone Cold to Adam Page. But when you're all about rough and tough cowboy shit, right? You can't really be concerned about anything. You gotta you gotta let the shit fly, man. You gotta fucking kick ass. You gotta get your ass kicked and then have a fucking cold beer at the end of a hard day's work. That's what it's about. I don't want to see concerned looks from Adam Page. I don't want to see fearful looks or emotions from Adam Page. So we discussed this last week and we said, 
Maybe we need to rectify that. We don't want to see the champion looking kind of weak there. And he rectified it this week because he came out and says, I don't give a shit about the Texas Deathmatch stipulation. I need this. I want it. I need something, anything. I don't want to wait till next week. Let's do it now. So they, they, they made their mistake last week and they fixed it this week, which, which was a nice thing to see. Lambert once again walked out and to the soft pussy check marks on social media, Lambert is making everybody fucking cringe on social media. Two times tonight we see Dan Lambert. Lambert walked out, said that he's surprised he showed up, said something about the Blackhawks and Indians and how he's a soft-ass cowboy. Jake Roberts took the microphone and interrupted Dan Lambert and Adam Page. It was nice and refreshing to hear Jake Roberts speak again. His voice is a little raspy. He sounds old. He sounds his age for sure. But it's always great to hear Jake Roberts because you know he's about to lay the fucking truth when he speaks. So Jake Roberts interrupted. He said people are telling him he's starting to act differently. People are telling Jake, you know, Paige is starting to act a little differently, maybe because he's having bad dreams. Jake then says, you know what I think? I think I smell fear. Archer ran towards the ring. Hangman dove through the ropes at Archer. Hangman then threw him into the ringside steps, so we got a big brawl happening here. Lambert tried to hit uh, Rancid's Lars Fredrickson, who was out there in the front row with a chair. But all of a sudden, the camera guy shoots away from it. I'm like, what the fuck? I would rather seen that than the brawl between Paige and Lance Archer. Rancid does Ruby Soho's theme music. Destination unknown. Ruby, 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 Ruby Soho. Right? That's Rancid. So the lead singer's out there, and he's front row, and the cameraman shoots away. Hangman threw Archer into the ring, Archer hit him from behind with a chair. Archer then chokeslammed Hangman on the steps. He followed this up with a blackout on the table at ringside. Archer then grabbed a microphone and said, he vows he's going to become the AEW champion next week. And this match will be, like I said, a Texas death match next week in Atlantic City. And it will be for the AEW championship. So good on them, man. Good on them. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with those two. Should be a great match. But Lance Archer more than likely is going to be a cog in the wheel of this Adam Hangman Page story. He's going to be a bump in the road. And Lance Archer, you know, I'd like to see him have a little bit more of a big man priority role on this show. He just doesn't seem to fit into much of anything on this show. He's always used in these types of situations. He's not winning the world title. There's no reason to take the world title off of Adam Hangman Page. And Adam Hangman Page, if he's going to lose that championship, he's going to lose it to MJF, whether it's at Revolution or at Double or Nothing. It's going to happen. So this should be a good match next week. It should be fun. It's a predictable match. I wouldn't say it's a bad predictable. I wouldn't say it's a good predictable in the middle of the road somewhere, predictable, because the Texas Deathmatch, man, I know you guys feel the same way. We always appreciate a Texas Deathmatch, a good 
old school classic Texas death match. So I'm looking forward to that. Should be fun next week in Atlantic City. Chris Jericho cut a promo backstage addressing Santana and Ortiz. Not tagging him in last week. He said it was disrespectful and unacceptable. He said they started AEW together. So why are they suddenly worried about Eddie Kingston and what Eddie Kingston thinks? He said he's a top influencer in AEW. Says he wants to hear directly from them and why they did what they did last week. He demanded the full inner circle team for a meeting next week in the ring. And he said attendance next week is mandatory. Jericho is going to get all the inner circle together. And I honestly hope that Santana and Ortiz leave the inner circle. I hope Sammy Guevara leaves the inner circle. I hope they all move on and do their own thing, man. There's no need for the inner circle in 2022. Santana and Ortiz need to do what they got to do. Keep winning matches. Go for the AW Tag Team title. Sammy's the TNT champion. He's got his own responsibilities. If Jericho can't handle being away from all of his guys, then maybe it's time for Jericho to be off television and kind of go do some rest and relaxation somewhere, man. Go go with Fozzie and go on tour somewhere. Come back and then reemerge when we've had a nice little long layoff from Chris Jericho and Judas. I think absence in this case will make the heart grow fonder for Chris Jericho. We got the Ass Club. Or are they the Gun Club? What are they naming themselves now? Billy Austin and Colton Gunn were shown backstage beating up Jungle Boy. They tossed him outside in a pile of snow. Luchasaurus and Christian Cage made the save. The Gun Club ran away and they were laughing with their... Job well done here. They will be getting a tag team title opportunity in the weeks to come against the Jurassic Express. Ricky Starks and Jay Lethal. We got a promo package building up this match on Rampage. And it was a hype package. We also got Thunder Rosa versus Mercedes Martinez happening on Friday's Rampage. And Sammy Guevara versus Isaiah Cassidy. So Rampage is looking like a solid show on Friday night. And then Dynamite. All we have is Hangman and Archer for the AW title and then the Inner Circle team meeting in Atlantic City where Jericho says the attendance for this meeting is absolutely mandatory. Guys, we got MJF and CM Punk still yet to come to talk about. We're going to go over everything with this match and how MJF became the king of Chicago. The biggest pro wrestling villain in Chicago right now is MJF. We're going to talk about that in a second. Let's see the live stream chat, man. We got 2,200 plus, 2,300 in the venue right now. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on this Wednesday night, wherever you may be. We just hit 1,000 likes. The minimum soft cap has been met. Thank you guys very much. Make sure you guys continue to hit that thumbs up. If you just joined late, hit that thumbs up, man. Let's try to get to 1,250. Can we get to 1250 as far as likes on the video tonight? Get those super chats in. We're going to read them at the end of the show and hang out with our cold beverages. Make sure you guys continue to join and become VIPs right here on Off The Script. You guys can be sitting right back there with me. You guys get custom emotes and those custom badges next to your name. It's a great thing to become a VIP right here on Off The Script, guys. Also... Got a shout out my sponsor for today's show, man. Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. 
Code JD at checkout to get your free sample. Valentine's Day is coming up, guys. I don't know what you guys are doing, but I know you should have Blue Chew in the back pocket. You want that extra confidence when it counts, man. You want to really make it a memorable evening. Then Blue Chew is the way to go. First of all, dinner and flowers is a necessity, right? Flowers are kind of boring, man. At least put some thought into it. But when you want the end of the night to cap off the right way, you got to go for the Blue Chew, man. Seriously. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and it comes at a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. You can plan ahead. Be ready whenever that opportunity arises. It's a very simple process. BlueChew.com. You're going to consult with one of their licensed online medical providers. And once the process is approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. I know how that sucks. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. So if you guys can benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, why not give Blue Chew a try? You know, they always say you only get one first impression, man, but what about those lasting impressions? Something that Bruce Pritchard doesn't know anything about, man. He doesn't know a good first impression or a lasting impression. Clearly, he doesn't know Blue Chew. We got a special offer, guys. Like I said, code JD at checkout. BlueChew.com. All you guys have to pay is the $5 shipping and handling. And I want you guys to go check them out and thank them for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on Off The Script. MJF and CM Punk. This match was starting. MJF's intro started at around 9.20 Eastern Standard Time. I'm looking at the clock and I'm saying to myself, man, oh man, we're getting, a, we're getting one hell of a main event. We're going the distance here. One hour time limit. We know it's not going the time limit. Because their main events are usually an hour. Either they're going the distance for the rest of the show, and we're going to have this match go all the way till the 10 o'clock hour, and they're going to give us a barn burner epic, or maybe they do something at the end, and maybe we get a, a, a new debut or a special surprise. Maybe it ends in a fuck finish or something. They went the whole distance. They went the whole distance, man. MJF and CM Punk went the whole distance, and this will go down as one of the best AEW TV main events of the entire year. This was a great story. A great story. AEW typically has these mega main events, man. You know, this is going to be up there in the discussion with the Brian and Page match. This is going to be in discussion with the Brian and Omega match. This is going to be in discussion with the Cody and Sammy Guevara match that we seen last week in the ladder match. This was one of the best main events that Dynamite has ever done. And we are going to see a ton more of this from AEW. This is only the beginning, guys. This is only the beginning. So, the bell rang, and we had 40 minutes left in the show, like I said, at 9.20 Eastern Standard Time. MJF, he... Wanted to go and use nefarious means right away. 
Uh, but Punk came back with some chops and some kicks. He was kind of manhandling him at first. Punk tangled with MJF in the ropes. He was getting some offense back and forth. Punk pursued after MJF, and, you know, MJF was a coward, playing the cowardly heel here. Went for a spear. And MJF and Punk engaged on the outside, crossed MJF over the railing. They fought into the crowd. They were right into the crowd. Apparently, if you saw closely, you see my co-host there waving like a fucking geek to the camera. Not sure if you guys seen that. So they're in the crowd here, and he crossed MJF over the railing in the crowd on the banister. Punk then dragged MJF back to the ring, and he continued to beat him down. He went for a top rope elbow drop. MJF rolled out of the way, and MJF avoided all of Punk's offense, and MJF took advantage. He cheap-shotted Punk, dropped a knee on Punk's wrist on the outside, but the big spot that led to this was Punk going for that spear, right? He went for that spear, and he went right through the middle turnbuckle, the middle rope, and he hit his shoulder right on the steel post. I legitimately thought he was legitimately hurt. Like, he hit hard on that steel post. He hit his bicep. He might have torn a bicep, but he played it off. Bryce Remsburg, the referee, he went over, and he did a fantastic job, man. Shout out to Bryce Remsburg for really getting in there and taking care of both guys in this match. So I thought Punk was legitimately injured off that steel post shot as he missed that spear. He's trying to get back to a vertical base. He puts his hand on the table. MJF stands on the timekeeper's table. He drops a knee on CM Punk's wrist. I legitimately thought MJF broke CM Punk's wrist. But in fact, he actually collapsed the table with that knee drop on Punk's wrist through the table. So here we are. Punk is getting destroyed in this match at this point. After the spear. So it was the arm and the wrist are the story now for MJF. So Punk started to make a comeback. He was going away at MJF with some big overright hands. Swinging neck breaker. He went for his big jumping knee in the corner. Running bulldog. Signature Punk. Punk was calling for the GTS. MJF rolled onto the apron because he saw that CM Punk was going for the finish. That's where Punk met him on the apron, slammed him down on the apron hard way. Punk let a fan front row even shop MJF. I don't know if this was a plant or legit. It might have been legit. I don't know. He held him in a full Nelson and let one of the fans front row Knife edge chop MJF before throwing him back in the ring. So we got CM Punk in control here. After that, MJF tripped him up and he was going back for the elbow drop. MJF tripped him up. He fell on the top turnbuckle. His knee hit the top turnbuckle on the way down. He was crotched on the top turnbuckle. MJF then stopped Punk's offense. And he pulled Bryce Remsburg in the way. So Punk was about to make another comeback. MJF said, enough of this shit. He pulls Bryce Remsburg in the way by purpose, done on purpose. And with the referee's back turn, MJF had taken his wrist tape off. And, and MJF there saw an opening because Punk and Bryce Remsburg had their back turn, choked out CM Punk with the wrist tape 
and the referee couldn't see it. So he had the wrist tape choking him out, pretending that he had a sleeper hold on him, but he was really choking him out with the wrist tape. MJF locked on body scissors. The hold was locked in deep, and the referee stopped the match. 15 minutes in, he raised Punk's arm three times, and Punk was choked out. MJF thought he won in Chicago. I thought he won in Chicago. Everybody thought he won in Chicago. MJF celebrated. As soon as Bryce Rensburg raised MJF's hand, the wrist tape fell down to the ground, fell down to the mat. Bryce Rensburg seen the wrist tape. He thought immediately, this is how you choked him out, and this is how the match started. Bryce Rensburg told Justin Roberts that the match will continue. CM Punk got up and immediately rolled up MJF for another great near fall. I know... It's been in CM Punk's repertoire to, and and I'd be very curious to see what everybody in the chat thinks about this. Darby and CM Punk at All Out in August, when they first locked up, it was Shades of Bret the Hitman Hart and the 123 Kid from Monday Night Raw in the early 90s. The Wardlow match with CM Punk a couple weeks back was paying homage to Bret the Hitman Hart and Diesel at the 1995 Survivor Series. I wonder if this was, I'd be very curious to know which Bret Hart match you guys think this was a throwback from. Was this a Bret the Hitman Hart throwback the way that this false finish came about halfway through this match? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Maybe it was a throwback minus the ring bell. Maybe it was a throwback to WrestleMania 8. 1992, and Roddy Piper, right? Maybe it was that. I don't know. Maybe it was Piper, Bret Hart, WrestleMania 8. Maybe it was Bam Bam Bigelow and Bret the Hitman Hart, the 1993 King of the Ring. Because there was a false finish in that match, too. With Bret, you know, he was down, and Luna Vachon, Luna Vachon came down with the steel chair and hit Bret Hart, which allowed Bigelow obviously to nail a downed Bret the Hitman Hart with a big flying headbutt off the top rope, and then he was crowned king of the ring, and then another referee came down and reversed the decision and claimed that the match should continue. I wonder if this was another Bret Hart throwback. And I'm going to ask that question if I ever get to a post-show scrum. Very curious to know. So the match was restarted. Punk went for the roll-up. He only got a two-count. He fired up with some really fast offense. He did not 10 punches in the corner. He did 20 punches in the corner. MJF then sent Punk crashing to the floor. We go to commercial break. Punk was in control here as he was beginning to counter a heat seeker. He landed a springboard clothesline on MJF. Then a springboard dropkick sent MJF to the floor. Punk then landed a tope suicida. Punk took some pretty scary bumps in this match. I will not lie to you. I thought he hit hard on some of these spots, and I legitimately thought he was hurt. So he landed a plancha through the ropes. He tweaked his knee. It looked like he tweaked his knee on the dive. This allowed MJF to regain control of the match. MJF then locked in, in, in uh, a death lock. He trapped his arm. And he pulled his legs back. He had him in an arm lock, death lock type maneuver. 
And he was targeting both the arm and the leg on CM Punk. Great story here. Awesome. Punk turned it into an STF, but he couldn't hold on to the move. Punk then got on, got MJF up in a fireman's carry. Couldn't go for the GTS. His knee blew out, telling the story of the knee in the match. MJF rolled him up for a two off of this. They traded cradles back and forth and then traded strikes until Punk hit a reverse hurricanrana, which looked nasty on MJF. Both men were down until MJF chop blocked Punk's knee, repeatedly went right after the knee again. Punk fought out of the salt of the earth attempt. MJF hit a pump handle slam. MJF got Bryce Remsburg out of position again and behind the referee's back hit a low blow. So obviously Bryce Remsburg did not see this. He went for a pinning combination. He put his feet on the ropes. Remsburg did see that. MJF then again went after Punk's leg. Punk came back with a cradle, a drop kick. He hit his corner knee. MJF bit Punk's hand. So we got the arm, the leg, and the hand slash wrist in this match. Awesome by MJF. He bit it, uh, CM Punk's hand. He went and, and bit his forehead. He, he was doing anything he could to win this match. So now both men are up top. Punk bit MJF's hand in return, and then he hit a Pepsi plunge. I haven't seen a Pepsi plunge in fucking years, man. He hit the Pepsi plunge off the top rope, and he landed hard, but he couldn't follow up with a pin. The Pepsi plunge is nothing but a pedigree off the top rope. If you guys are wondering what the Pepsi plunge is, it's a pedigree off the, off the second turnbuckle. Both men went for the tombstone pile drivers. But before Punk landed a roundhouse kick, he followed with a top rope elbow drop. He went for a near fall, got a two count. Punk was calling for the GTS. MJF fell out of the ring. Wardlow walks down the aisleway. He walks down the ramp. MJF is laying in the middle of the aisle. He walks over MJF. He looks at Punk directly in the face. He ends up backing off. I thought they were going to come to blows here. I thought MJF was about to get betrayed by Wardlow. And he walks away. I did not see it happen live. It must have been as quick as a hiccup, man. But with Wardlow walking away, he backed off. Punk rolled MJF back into the ring. Wardlow again got up on the apron, exchanged some words with Punk. MJF struck Punk in the face with a punch with the dynamite diamond ring. And that was it for the win. MJF beats CM Punk. In Chicago, he hands CM Punk his first loss in AEW. MJF is on his way to becoming the AEW world champion. This exactly, this is exactly what needed to be done. MJF needed to win. Of course, I like a clean win. I always like a clean win. I don't think the heels need to cheat. Every single time to win. It gets a little bit repetitive. But as long as we got the outcome of Punk being pinned in an official match, one, two, three, MJF beats Punk. He then moves on to Adam Page. He then wins the world championship. These are the things that need to happen. I don't know where CM Punk goes after this. Do I want to see another match with MJF? No, they gave you everything. They told a great story. They targeted the arm. They targeted the leg. They targeted the wrist. 
We've seen a fucking Pepsi plunge in how many years off the top rope? We don't need another match. They gave you everything. They went on the air at 9.20 and ended literally with 30 seconds left to go before 10 o'clock. What else do you need? This does not need to happen at Revolution. It doesn't. I don't know what Punk does. Maybe he gets involved with Brian. Maybe he gets involved with Moxley and Kingston again. I don't know. Cody. All I know is MJF and Adam Page, Revolution is your world title match. Now, they even continued the Wardlow, the Wardlow thing here. You know, Wardlow's been very upset at MJF, looking like he's about to fucking just clock him one. But he helped MJF here. He knew who was signing his paychecks per storyline. And I'm glad they didn't do it tonight because the crowd, the crowd in Chicago would have been explosive for a Wardlow babyface turn on MJF, giving CM Punk the win. Can't happen there. There's got to be a right time and a right place for Wardlow to turn on MJF. You only get you only get one opportunity with Wardlow turning on MJF. And I hope that MJF and Tony Khan know that. You only get one one moment, one opportunity with the big man. It needs to be something that is a slow burn. And I mean in the slow cooker. Hours in the slow cooker, man. You'll be waiting a long time for that meal, that delicious meal to be prepped. It needs to slow cook. It really does. Wardlow can grow frustrated little by little by little by little. MJF and Wardlow can be best of friends. Wardlow can be the TNT champion. And MJF could be the AEW champion. He's going to be in that face of the revolution ladder match at Revolution, right? It needs to happen when MJF has had solid months as AEW champion. That's when you turn. When MJF is about to drop that title the night he is ready to lose the championship to a CM Punk, that's when he turns. And who knows, it may be right back in Chicago where MJF beat CM Punk for the first time. CM Punk may get his revenge on MJF in Chicago later this year for the world championship. And who will be there to execute that? Wardlow. And the crowd would go fucking bonkers. When MJF is set to drop the title, that's when you pull the trigger on Wardlow's face turn and Wardlow's huge start as a babyface in AEW. Guys, I'm getting out of here, man. Well, not really getting out of here. That's the review. I I will be out of here soon. But uh, we're going to go over the Super Chats in just a little bit here, man. I appreciate you guys hanging with me solo tonight. I'm usually with Jesse. I got a message from Jesse. He wants me to read it live on the air, he says. The nerve of him. I need you to say this on the show. And I quote, Jesse just texted me. Apparently, he was attacked outside of the Wintrust Arena while he was vlogging. He captured the attack on video. Tune in next week to see the footage. This guy was attacked. This guy was fucking attacked outside. That's all he told me. This guy was attacked at the Wind Trust Arena. 
Oh my god, I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills. Did he finally, did he finally get what was coming to him? Oh man, oh man. Uh, Hologram, it is not a work. It is not a work. I would not lie to you. I would not lie to you at all. This guy was attacked. He won't tell me who, though. He won't tell me who. He says, you guys will find out next week who it was. I don't even know. It's great. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't wait. I can't wait, man. This is going to be the best Dynamite review of all time, man. Seriously. Anyway, guys, get your Super Chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. He might not even make it next week, man, depending on how bad up or badly beat up he is. Great. Get your Super Chats in, guys. Go check out Blue Chew, bluechew.com, code JD. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. It's on Twitter and Instagram. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed, including episode 408 of the podcast, man. Go and check it out. Shane McMahon. We'll be talking about Shane McMahon tomorrow, too, on another episode of Off the Screen. Man, Shane McMahon fired by WWE. Vince fired his own son. Shawn Michaels and Triple H are not safe. That's all I'll say about that. Issa. Issa says, I orchestrated the attack, she says. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know what that means, man. She's got that uh, Latina connection. Tell you, man, you don't fuck with Issa, man. Probably sent out the fucking word, sent out the bat signal, right? And uh, you know who took care of Jesse. Go check out the uh, podcast. I'll be li- uh, not live, but I'll be uh, back on YouTube tomorrow with more off the script, man. Tons of news. Tons of news. All right, enough of me. Let's get into the Super Chats. Let's see what we got here. Let's see what we... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We got... You know, I'm just going to give this guy the fucking lease to the building, man. Can we Can we get him... Can we get him on the lease to the building, man? He's like... He's like... 70% owner of the fucking venue, man. Oh, Sequi with a five... Hundred dollar super chat. This fucking guy, man. Unbelievable. This guy says an early happy birthday to you, brother. Much love and blessings. Have a great day on me. Listen, man. I don't. I don't. You you are you are uh, you're amazing, brother. I, I don't even know what to say, man. Seriously, I appreciate you, man. One of these one of these days, man, you and I will be uh, dining at the nicest steakhouse. Money could buy, bro. On me. It's awesome. Thank you so much, man. Always leaves me speechless, this guy, man. Always. 
Let's start at the top here, man. Well, Osakwe was at the top. Let's start with uh, Tony Brown. 499 Super Chat. I would have enjoyed more booty. More booty meat. Like the Women's Royal Rumble. And I'm still in the hospital for four months, JD. Tony Brown, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I'm sorry to hear that, man. We need you home, bro. We need you home. There wasn't there wasn't any real booty meat on uh, on AEW tonight, man. That's why we got Sasha Banks on Friday Night SmackDown. D Bastardo with a two dollar super chat. Energy of AEW and JD brings pro wrestling to life. Yeah, man. There's no yelling here. There's no yelling here on Wednesdays, man. You know, Monday Night Raw lost 500,000 viewers between hour one and hour three. If the show was good, the show wouldn't be losing 500,000 viewers. I appreciate you, Bastardo. Thank you so much, man. Francis Loop with two. No, actually, he's got four $10 Super Chats. Francis Loop, you fucking beast. We have just celebrated The Rock's 25th anniversary. Did you guys know Dwayne Johnson is not on The Rock? It's about Marines. John Cena and The Miz played Marines, but are not on The Rock. So with all the releases in WWE since last year, how are they going to have enough matches to fill two nights of WrestleMania? Zelina and Carmella versus Dana Brooke and Liv Morgan is not a WrestleMania match. Bro, Zelina, Zelina and Carmella will be defending those titles against the Bella Twins. Mark my words. WrestleMania is going to have lots of filler. TV match is not worthy of WrestleMania. Should just go back to one night. So if Ronda and Brock go to SmackDown, they are supposed to main event both nights? Yeah. Apparently Ronda can challenge whoever she wants. Ronda, Ronda's inclusion this year, man, I, I, I fucking hate it. I'll have a lot more to say on the podcast tomorrow, but Ronda looked as dead as fucking the Grim Reaper herself on Monday night. It's like she didn't even want to be there. And nobody, nobody gives a shit about Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Nobody. I guarantee you the fucking build will be as awful as anything we've ever seen. And WWE will be forced to include a Sasha Banks or Bayley or an Asuka or somebody to really make it interesting. Because Ronda just can't do it herself with Charlotte Flair. Nobody wants to see that match. And if you do, man, I'm not sure there is uh, a, a lot going on upstairs. Hell, I would rather see Becky, Lita, Bailey, and Bianca in a Fatal 4-Way Elimination main event night one. But Becky versus Ronda is the bigger main event on night one as opposed to Charlotte and Ronda. I, I agree. But WWE doesn't necessarily need Becky and Ronda to be for the title. And I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast. How do you think Charlotte Flair feels knowing that Ronda is back and Becky will main event with Ronda, giving her two WrestleMania main events? And Charlotte only has one. Charlotte lobbied for Ronda Rousey to be back and lobbied for this match with Ronda because she knows this is her only chance to get just as many WrestleMania main events as Becky Lynch. And she'll be main eventing WrestleMania this year and Becky won't be. The division is in shambles because the people in the division like Becky and, and, and Charlotte, they only care about themselves. They don't care about anything else around them or in the division. 
Yeezus with a 999 Super Chat. Rather have seen a segment between Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez than a Brandy Lambert promo. I, I agree with you 1,000%, Yeezus. Michelle Moran with a $10 Super Chat. Oh my God, a great main event with MJF going over. But I feel like a rematch is coming at the pay-per-view and I got goosebumps of a Moxley-Brian alliance, even if it doesn't happen. But a Moxley-Brian feud is fine too. A Brian Moxley feud is different. But I do think that we go to the match because I don't think Moxley's going to want to work with Brian. And I do think maybe it leads to Brian and Punk teaming up against Moxley and Kingston. Kingston's, uh, he's out. He's out. So maybe he comes back and he feuds with uh, Punk and Brian. Teams with Moxley. I don't know. We got a 499 Super Chat from Hugh G. Rection. JD, my man, five-star classic with CM Punk and MJF. Do we set round two for Revolution or have MJF feud with Hangman after he wins next week? What would you do, bro? Hugh? Misdirection? I'm going MJF Hangman at Revolution. We don't need a second match. Tonight was all that you got, plus some. We don't need a second match. Jay Coyle with a $5 UK Super Chat. MJF choked out Punk and pinned him in the same night. I already can't wait for next Wednesday. These two had a great match, man. Very well laid out match. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $5 Super Chat. Punk and MJF put on a classic match. Jim Ross needs to retire. His commentator skills are bad. OTS for life. I quite enjoy Jim Ross. ECW. He's not the same Jim Ross that we know growing up, but his voice does add a lot to the show. I would prefer Moro, but I don't think Jim Ross is going anywhere anytime soon. The Dud with a $2 Super Chat. The ending really shocked me. I was speechless. Don't be, bro. This is exactly what Jesse and I talked about. Daniel Baez with a 999 Super Chat. God-tier main event from these two. Knew when this match started at 915, we were in for something special. May have been the best psychology-driven match in AEW. Classic. It's up there. I would say it probably ranks right underneath the Brian Hangman match. The one-hour Iron Man match that they did. Time limit draw. But definitely, it was one of the best matches in AEW history, no question. And definitely, as far as psychology is, uh, as well. Reverend Davey Thompson with a 11-month recommitment to the OTS VIP club, man. Thank you so much, brother. 11 months is a long time. Great main event, but it is the worst ending I've ever seen in AEW. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Here's to 11 more months. OTS for life. Davey, I, I said this multiple times throughout the live stream. I would have preferred a, a clean victory. I, I, I do. I would have much rather have seen a clean victory. I honestly think heels cheating to win every single time is a terrible crutch that I think producers and bookers need to move away from. We don't need heels. 
known heels, known prick heels to cheat every time. MJF could have easily beaten Punk on his own. And I think it would have been such a feather in his cap, man. But the thing is, the thing is, and I don't want anything to take away from what he did and what Punk did tonight. Fantastic. I think the only thing we need to be concerned with is that MJF pinned CM Punk in Chicago. One, two, three. That's the most important thing. Never mind how he got it done, no matter by what means he did it, he pinned CM Punk. CM Punk is now looking at a loss on his record. MJF, he's going to be world champion. Jesus with a 999 Super Chat. One mind that Paige Van Zandt signs with AEW. It feels like she enjoys being there and is decent on the mic. I don't think she wants to be there full time, man. Pay her per appearance. I'm sure she'll willingly take it when they need her to do something cool. JB with a UK $5 Super Chat. Five star match. Reminded me of NWA Classics in the 80s. MJF should beat Punk clean at Revolution and go on to become the next champ. Keep up the hard work, JD. Thank you, JB. Appreciate you, man. No more second match, man. MJF Page at Revolution. Hurley Jones with a $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD and Jesse. Uh, Jesse's not here, bro. Jesse apparently got jumped at the Wintrust Arena. Because he had his ass kicking coming to him for months. Number one AEW on the rise. WWE is trash. Spirit of the Wolf with a $5 Super Chat. Tribal Chief of the IWC. We are the ones. You know it, brother. Mickey McClendon with a five-month recommitment. Thank you, Mr. McClendon. I'll be there next week. At AC, at Dynamite, and at your meet and greet. Can't wait to be with some of the OTS family and some pro wrestling. OTS, hashtag Free Ali. Yes, indeed, Free Ali, man. Looking forward to seeing you there. Mr. McClendon, should be good. Zach JD with a 499 Super Chat. I see a lot of, a lot of Piper in MJF. The fact that WWE slaps the moniker of Rowdy in front of Ronda's name is an insult to Piper. MJF brought me back to wrestling. MJF is fantastic, man. You know, I wonder what MJF thinks when he's actually not being in character and what he what he thinks about being at home, man. He's legitimately going to be this generation's fucking Ric Flair. He, he is. Unbelievable. The young, the young, the young people watching pro wrestling nowadays, man, they they do not know how lucky they are to have somebody like MJF in their generation. In this time. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. It really is. EJ Garcia with a new membership. Thank you, EJ. Listen, bro, what are you drinking tonight? Round is on me, man. Thank you for becoming a VIP. Christian Shea with a 499 Super Chat. Do you think Kaylee Ray would beat Mandy Rose next Tuesday? And who's going to win the Elimination Chamber? And who's going to win? Becky Lynch or Rita? Rita? Is, uh, is, is Rita a new wrestler? I didn't know they signed somebody by the name of Rita, bro. Who is this Rita? 
Kaylee Ray uh, will beat Mandy Rose. Who's going to win the Elimination Chamber? I'm going with AJ Styles. And Becky Lynch will beat Lita. Yes. Christian Shea with a 1999 Super Chat. I meant to say who's going to win, Becky Lynch or Lita. And who's going to win between Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre at Elimination Chamber? I didn't know that was a match. Was that announced? Rita Repulsa? Is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre scheduled for the Elimination Chamber? I don't think so. Why would they do that? I would have Roman not defend the title. Why would they set that up in two weeks? Uh, I don't I don't understand it. Like, McIntyre deserves so much better than that, man. He's looking at an inevitable loss, is what he's looking at. Andy Windbreaker becomes a member for four months. Been a couple weeks since I caught the show live. Much love, JD, and venue regulars. What a coincidence. What a coincidence that it's on my birthday, LOL. Listen, Andy. I'm happy that you're fucking here live, man. Thank you so much for the four-month recommitment. Breno Noah becomes a member in the venue. Breno, what are you drinking, brother? First time VIP here tonight. Randy B with a $5 super chat. What's up, JD? Do you think Paige has what it takes to be a huge star in AEW if Tony signs her? Also, keep up the good work. You're the man. Paige is not going to AEW, bro. WWE will let Paige wrestle to simply keep her away from AEW. Barry Goldwater with a $5 super chat. Man, Dan Lambert is going to get AEW canceled just like Rogan is going to get canceled off of Spotify. Joe Rogan is not getting Spotify canceled. Joe Rogan's not getting canceled. And Dan Lambert is not getting canceled. I think people need to calm down with the cancel culture bullshit, man. Seriously. Look at this fucking guy, man. Big Hodge Media. With a $10 super chat. He simply says, soon. Critiques and connoisseurs is returning. Soon. New look, new feel, new style, new direction, man. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you to Big Hodge. Go check out Big, Ho- Big Hodge's uh, YouTube channel, man. Go check out Big Hodge's YouTube channel. Gonna be vlogging over there, man. And man, oh man, does it look great. Also, shout out to my boy Salrex, man. Salrex is going through a difficult time, guys. I know. I don't know how many of you guys are in the uh, community. I don't know how many of you guys are content creators. But I want you guys to go follow Salrex on Twitter. At the Salrex. If you guys need any graphic work, man. If you guys need any graphic work, if you guys need thumbnails or layouts, if you guys need logos, if you're a musician and you need album covers, man, t-shirt designs, he does it all. Hit him up, man. Hit him up. Very fair prices. He wants to get his graphic designs out there again, and I should have mentioned it earlier. I got a lot going on here. Go hit up Salrax, man. He's, he's so good at what he does. So good at what he does. At the Salrex on Twitter, man. That's T H E S A L R E X. 
And thank you to Big Hodge, man. Go check out his shit, too. Raging Girl Gamer with a $50 super chat. Thank you, Rage. I joke a lot, but I struggle a lot. OTS fam helps me mentally. JD, you've been an inspiration to me. I was so happy with my haircut, and now alcohol is like you. No, what? That doesn't matter, and I just want to get to the end of it. I'm tired, man. I quit, then go back. I don't know, Rage. I don't like the vibe of that, uh, that last part of this super chat. I was so happy with my haircut, and now alcohol is like, you know what? That doesn't matter, and I want to just end it. I'm tired, man. I quit, then go back. Rage. I want everybody in this fucking chat. And I see you, Christian Shea, man. $200 super chat. We'll get to him in a second. I want everybody in this super chat to give heart emojis to my girl, Raging Girl Gamer. Everybody in the OTS family loves Rage, man. She ain't going nowhere. Thank you, Rage, for the 50. Uh, I will, uh, I'll hit you up about the, uh, hat and whatever else you ask me for. Christian Shea with a $200 bomb. Christian, you're a fucking savage, bro. He's trying to one-up Osequi. I like it. Christian Shea versus Osequi in the OTS main event. Robert Lamoa with a $5 super chat. JD. You love to piss people off, do you? People on Twitch are mad. The fuck did I do on Twitch? Yo, Robert Lamoa, I need I need to ask you, bro. Who am I pissing off? The fuck are you talking about? Who am I pissing off? What did I say now? On Twitch? I haven't been on Twitch in months, bro. Legendary KD with a $5 super chat. MJF winning was great, but since that, this is his biggest match. I would have loved to see a clean win. I also wish this would have been at Revolution. I'm glad it didn't happen at Revolution. I'm glad it happened tonight in Chicago. I would have liked a clean win as well, but I'm glad MJF won and pinned Punk regardless. That's all anybody should be concerned with, man. Osequi, thank you so much, brother, for the massive bomb. Early birthday gift. Thank you so much, brother. Everybody here loves you. And hopefully your career and family is right where it needs to be, bro. Breno Noah with a 2790 Super Chat. New member, glad to be part of the OTS family. Cheers from Brazil. Oh my goodness, man. OTS worldwide. We got fucking Brazil in the house, bro. None of this bullshit, Justice for Jesse. Get this shit out of the chat, Justice for Jesse. Jesse got exactly what he deserved, bro. Fuck out of here, Justice for Jesse. Oh, it's him. He's starting the fucking head. No, no wonder. Justice for Jay. Get the fuck out of here, man. Thank you, Breno. Stick World Mayor, thank you for becoming a new member, bro. What are you drinking? 
Rich Gamble with a Fortnite Donut Super Chat. What's up, JD and the OTS family? Currently sipping on soup tequila before bed. Good main event tonight. I wonder where they will go with this moving forward. What the hell is soup tequila, Rich? I'm not a big tequila guy in general, but listen, man, you want to serve me some Terramana or some Casa Dragones? I'm good to go. Christian Shea with a 99-99 super chat. I wish Ronda Rousey could face Britt Baker. Christian, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why you would want to see that match, man. Britt is so much more over than Ronda Rousey. I do not want to see that match. You know what? I want to see Ronda Rousey retired. Get her out of here. Britt Baker and Thunder Rose is up next, bro. And everybody's going to be talking about that and not what Ronda and Charlotte Flair are going to be doing at WrestleMania. Rich Gable with the 499 Super Chat. Bleach reports reporting that WWE gave Shane McMahon his walking papers. Want to know what you think about that? Uh, Rich, that's what the podcast is for tomorrow afternoon. Shakoi with a $2 Super Chat. Are you going to AEW Revolution? I'd like to. I don't know who else is going to be there, but I'd like to. But that means I got to rent an Airbnb. I got to take my podcast shit with me. I got to rent a car. I got to set up a meet and greet. I don't know if I want to do all that, man. I'm lazy. I'm lazy. I need a reason to go out there, man. I got to see the card. I got to see how the card shapes up. EJ Garcia with a $2 super chat. Cheers, JD. EJ, thank you, brother. Awful Grimbones with two $5 Super Chats. Wednesday is the best night for the week. Love this show. Love the OTS family. The AW game is going to be great. And then he says, happy early birthday to the truth of the IWC. Thank you, Awful Grimbones. I saw the 2K22 gameplay today. I see all the, the 2K fucking influencers jerking off to it, man. Yeah, it looks good. It should look good. It's on a fucking PlayStation 5. Does the character movement look smoother and a little crisper? Yeah. But ultimately, it's the same fucking game. Then all of a sudden, I see a screenshot of the My Career or My Rise mode in 2K. I see a screenshot of Beth Phoenix and Shawn Michaels. They look like it's PlayStation 2 graphics. Christian Shea with a $199.99 super chat and then a $20 super chat. Christian Shea is a fucking beast, Now $220 bomb tonight. You guys are fucking incredible, man. Do you hear that? Spring training and opening day is maybe going to get delayed. The Mets are going to beat the Braves a lot this season. I don't know, man. We'll see. Braves are going to be playoff bound again, in my opinion. Do they win the World Series again back to back? No. Um, and yes, there will be uh, a delay in spring training and opening day, which is quite sad because I'd like my baseball back as soon as possible, man. Seriously. And Peter Lynn Ray with a $5 super chat. 
Jesse must be avenged. Peter Lynn Ray says, or Renee, Peter Lynn Renee. Jesse must be avenged. Uh, Jesse, Jesse's not getting avenged. I'm sorry. Jesse's getting exactly what he deserves. An old-fashioned ass-kicking. He deserves it. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise, man. Seriously. Man, the venue's gonna be in fucking shambles tomorrow, man. Seriously. Uh, who's cleaning up the venue? I don't know. Uh, who, who's cleaning up the venue, man? I gotta... I don't know. I don't know. The venue's going to be destroyed, man. I, listen, it was uh, free-for-all. Serve yourself at the bar, man. Jesse wants to go get fucking beat up by Thunder Rosa. I guess it's actually worth it, man. I'll get there early. I'll clean the venue myself. It's all right. As long as Jesse got pile-driven on the concrete outside, man, and thrown into some fucking snow, man. It's all right. It's all right. Listen, guys. I know you're not used to just seeing me all alone on Wednesday night, but... Hopefully you enjoyed the show tonight. Jesse will be back next week. Hopefully, if he could, uh, if he could breathe, if he's not in a neck brace, if he's not in a wheelchair. Bengals or Rams? Who you got? Shakoy with a two dollars super chat. I'm going with the Bengals. I think the Bengals will win, but I want the Rams to win. I don't know why. I don't really give a shit who wins, but uh, I'm going Bengals. Anyway, guys, again, thank you for all the love via Super Chat, man. You guys are fucking great. Christian Shea, thank you. Osequi, as always, brother. Thank you so much, man. I, I don't even... You guys leave me fucking speechless, man. Every time. Thank you. Thank you for the recommitments. Thank you for being a VIP to the four guys who uh, VIP today, man. Thank you so much. Follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications, man. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tomorrow, I will be back with Off The Scripts. I'm going to be talking about Shane McMahon getting fired from WWE, man. All right, guys, you know what's coming up, man. I need two things from me before I get out of here. I need, number one, those guitar emojis in the chat. VIPs, I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. Number two, when that guitar solo comes on, man, I need that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow for Off The Scripts. And then Friday, I'll be back live for SmackDown and Rampage right here on Off The Scripts. I'll see you guys later.